Today's episode is brought to you by Canvas. Do you know how long it takes you to measure and model an as-built? Probably more time than you'd like. Canvas replaces hours of manual measuring with a few minutes of scanning with your iPhone or iPad. And Canvas eliminates the hours, if not days, of taking your measurements and turning them into a 3D as-built or 2D floor plan, all for pennies per square foot. You can try Canvas for free and download it at www.canvas.io and make sure to use promo code BF23. That's www.canvas.io and promo code BF23. All right, now back to the show. Hey, I'm Spencer Powell, and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey, and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned for a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer-to-peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry, life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Today, I sit down with Steve Nash of Upscale Remodeling. Their guiding principle is never compromise, never cut corners. And their core values are people, process, and product. Really enjoyed this conversation. And now let's get into it. Again, this is Steve Nash with Upscale Remodeling. Hey, Steve, welcome to the show. Hey, fun to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, get us started. I guess, who are you? What's the company and where are you guys located? So I'm Steve Nash. Upscale Remodeling is our company. We're located in Freeville, New York, which is a suburb, kind of a outskirts of Ithaca, New York, which is a tiny little town in the middle, smack dab in the middle of New York State, where Cornell University and Ithaca College are both located. We're in the Finger Lakes area. Grew up here, born and raised, and started this company in 1991. A design build remodeling company, and um, yeah, 31 years later, we're still at it. So, yeah, that's awesome. So, 1991, did you always know you wanted to start a remodeling business, or how did how did that get going? Yeah, I grew up working for my father, who was a small contractor, had a small crew of people, worked with his dad, and so I grew up in the business from probably about nine or ten, going to work with him, and got into high school. And took a vocational the trade program during two years of high school, graduated, went on to college for a year, a trade, a tech school for instruction technology. And then a year after I left that, I was really, I'd already learned all the carpentry. And the first year of that program was more design and architectural and soil testing and all the different design aspects. The second year was also almost all carpentry. And so I opted not to, to stick around, pay for that because I already learned so much. Went out on my own a couple of years later and that was that. Was that. So, yeah, that's cool. Well, what was the first couple of years of business like for you? That was funny. We, uh, I think the first year I did about 28, maybe $31,000 in business altogether. And I felt pretty good about that. 
operating <laughs> out of my parents' home, still living at home. I mean, next year we did like 92,000 and I was super excited about that for the whole year, including my labor as a carpenter. Yeah. <laughs> Nowadays I look back at that and, and thank my goodness, you know, we do that in, in just a couple of weeks. And so, yeah. So no, it was, that was fun times back then. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, like, how did you go about getting your first few projects and were there any kind of things in those first couple of years where you maybe had to learn, learn the hard way? We've learned many, many lessons and still learning those today. But I think, you know, the first few jobs I had, you know, I just had a couple of people talking about, hey, you know, I've got a couple of projects or I've got a project here and another person had a project there. And that's really just word of mouth in the beginning. I knew some people that needed some work done and I think they were looking for a deal and hiring a small time person was how we kind of got started. Then local paper kind of picked up on the fact that I was a young entrepreneur and did an article, came out, did some photo shoots, and that helped me get a few more jobs. And then it kind of helped me get launched. I think the first lesson I learned was when I was first estimating, I was estimating labor on a project, didn't know anything about markup. And so, you know, all of our materials and subcontractor costs were just possibly passed along to the customer. And I was just charging labor. I know I didn't know any different. When I hired my first couple of employees, they went and you know started doing the projects for us for me. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I don't have to work out in the field. But little did I know, I never figured markup on anything. So all of my costs went out the door. All my money went out the door in the form of costs. It took me a while to catch on to that. I didn't even know what overhead meant. I didn't know what the term meant. Honestly, I thought I just didn't even understand it. So. Walt Steppleworth and Victoria Downing and Linda Case and Tim Fowler. You know, I, I learned very quickly once I went to a remodeler show, those were folks to kind of pay attention to. And I learned a lot just from hands-on pushing through and reading and, and learning from all of those folks, which I think is probably how a lot of us back then learned. And, and uh, we didn't have social media. So it was kind of real-time learning with books and going to seminars. No, that's cool. I, I feel like it's a very natural progression. You know, you get get into something because you know the craft and you're good at the craft. And then you, the better you get, then you start getting more work than you can handle yourself. So then you have to hire and then all of a sudden, bang, you're in business. And it's like, oh, that unlocks this whole new territory of learning and figuring, <laughs> yeah. figuring that out. So when was it when you hired your first couple of employees? Do you remember? You know, it wasn't long after I started. In 1993, I think. So two years after I got going, I met two really good carpenters, hired them both, one at first, and then the other one I hired a little later. And the first one I hired turned out to be just a great, great employee. And to this day, I really appreciate having him been a part of my company. I think he stayed on for 10 or 12 years. And then he just weren't growing fast enough to satisfy his need for growth. And well, you know, by the time we got to 2001, 2001, when, when the World Trade Center got bombed, you know, 9-11 hit, that, that following year or two was really tough on us. And I had never been through time like that. And so it really shook us. And I thought we were going to close and have to go out of business. We had a lot of debt and, and times were really, really bad. It was actually that looking back, it was the first and only time I've ever missed payroll you know, mm. we missed it for a week, but then I had to lay people off. I just was really worried about being able to make it through. And so he left along with all of our other folks and got jobs with bigger companies. 
And it wasn't long after that, you know, we recovered and things went right back to, to normal and we, and we came back stronger and better, but I was not able to bring back all of our folks that we lost during that period of time. Yeah, it's certainly those, those times it feels like always cause some shifts, you know, whether it's in the business model or the structure or, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you feel like having gone through that experience, you know, in 2001 or that you know, period of time after that, did you make any big changes to the business, you know, like, or, or was it more just like, oh, we hit this really just rough stretch and now we're back on track? Well, I'm going to make any major changes. I think if anything, it just, and when we were in the middle of it, it seemed like the whole world was crashing down, you know, looking back after recovering from it, it was just a time frame, you know, something we went through. So when 2008 came along, 2009, we had a similar set of circumstances, a similar amount of debt, owed a lot of people money, but I recognized it as what we had already gone through. And so it was much easier to endure without going through all the stress. I mean, it was stressful, but we knew how to handle it. I mean, number one thing we did is we didn't bury our head in the sand, uh, as a lot of contractors do. We went out, we talked to, I think it was 33 people we owed money to, subs and vendors. We went out, uh, I went out and called them, every one of them, and said, look, we're going to get through this. We owe you money set up payment plans and made sure we made those payments every week, went on cash basis with them for ordering. Some of them still gave us credit. We just had two separate accounts. One we kept current, didn't put any more on it. New one we, I'm sorry, one we kept current. The old one we just made payments on until it was time to pay it off. And the the subs and vendors appreciated that. And they really didn't know if we were going to pull through. But once we did, you know, our relationships really were really strengthened by going through that. And they're much better today. All of those vendors that we did business with, those that we still do, they know that we're for real and that we're not going to leave them high and dry. And uh, that's cool. That was one thing that I learned not to bury my head in the sand, just talk to people. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, We've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. What do you think has been one of the most rewarding parts of working on the business and growing it over the years? Well, you know, we have a, a good reputation here of providing quality work and, you know, we're not inexpensive, but that's just how, how it works. But I would say that that just building all of those relationships and helping our customers, you know, have a better 
living environment. It didn't seem like that was what was going to be the, the thing at the time. But looking back on it, there is a whole lot of people here in our town that appreciate what we were able to do for them. It's far more important to them than it seems to be for us because it's just all in the day's work for us. But it really has made an impact on so many people here. And I would have to say that's probably the most the most rewarding. Probably second to that would be, you know, providing a nice place to work for our employees and our subcontractors, our trade mm-hmm. partners. You know, those are two pretty big rewarding factors. Yeah. I hear that often, you know, usually comes back to the people, you know, whether it's the clients or the team or, you know, or both, like you said. So yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think has been the hardest part about running a business? Well, for me personally, I'm kind of the guy that'll carry, you know, all the weight on my shoulders. And, you know, I just got introduced to EOS and traction. Mm-hmm. And being an RA, I'm an RA member. We're in that roundtables group. And my 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 other members really felt good about, you know, promoting the EOS program. And so I was just recently reading the book, Traction, and came to realize that I am the visionary of a company, the company, and I'm not an integrator. And so I have not built a great, you know, a a team of people who do a lot of stuff without my input. Not that they're not capable. It's just my personality is such that I, I'm got my hands in everything. And that I would say is one of the, the things that, you know, moving forward, we're going to have to correct that to grow and start getting, you know, delegating effectively off to a bigger group of people so that I'm not carrying all that weight. I just didn't know any better. I grew up with that work ethic and mm-hmm. served me to this point, but it's not going to serve us moving forward. No, that's great. And yeah, I feel like when I first read that and then the the sequel is rocket fuel, I think. And just mm-hmm. that concept of the visionary and the integrator, it just like hits you like a ton of bricks because you're like, oh yeah, that's me. And that's oh, it, this yeah. is why, you know, all these details like, you know, kind of get lost or or whatever it is. And so yeah, that that was probably one of the top two, if not the top most pivotal moments in my business too, is finding somebody that can run the integrator role and then yeah. letting letting the visionary do what they're good at and letting the integrator do what they're good at. And man, (laughs) made a world of a difference. So I can't wait. I I have the same feeling and it's so new. I just finished that chapter last night and this morning had a conversation with one of my roundtables members. So that's how fresh this realization is. It's like 24 hours. (laughs) (laughs) Good timing then. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll have to do an update in a year when you've made some progress along that. Yeah. Uh, that'd, be, that'd be cool. Well, how about how about any like wacky client stories or weird projects or just funky stuff? There's always something, you know, in construction. Uh, Anything yeah. coming to mind that you can share with us? I don't know. That one's that one's tough for me. I'm sure we have plenty of those stories, but I don't know. I don't have any wacky stories. Maybe as we talk, I'll something will pop up for me, but I'm sure they're there. No, yeah. Okay. No, well, yeah. Think about it and we'll, we'll circle back. And we've on the show, I think we've had, you know, somebody accidentally ending up naked, you know, in front of a client and, you know, just wild stuff, you know, interesting projects. So if you think of something, we'll, we'll come back to it. What does the future of your business look like? You know, you've been at this since 91 and I'm sure you've gone through lots of iterations, but what's on the horizon? Well, I really wish I had come across 
you know, this concept of me needing an integrator 10 years ago, because I think I would be in a different place today and closer to where I was hoping to be at this point, you know, which is where I, I don't have to work every day and my business doesn't suffer as a result of me being out because taking vacation is really hard, you know, for me, not so much taking the time off. It's just realizing that I'm going to be so much further behind because I don't have all of those key elements in place. So I've got to play catch up, which kind of takes the fun out of taking time off. So from this point forward, you know, we're trying to get to the company to a point where I can do that without my stress level going through the roof. And, um, you know, I am starting to think about a succession plan, you know, who's going to take over the reins. I don't want the company to disappear when I'm done. And so I don't know how that's all going to work out, but I I suspect in, in five years, we want to, I want to be in a position where I can come and go and and not have to not have to be an integral part of the day-to-day operations. And you know, in terms of volume, probably looking at doubling in size, maybe a little bit more in that next five years, maybe, maybe half again is you know, three, four hundred percent. So yeah, yeah. You know, more than doubling, maybe 50% more than that. Yeah, well, that's definitely an exciting vision to start working towards. So, yeah, that's cool. I like it. What about industry-wise? Like, we've gone through a lot the last couple of years. What do you think are maybe the one or two big challenges that we all need to be thinking about and working to solve? Well, I think two things. One, the marketing has all changed, right? You know, like with the social media, you know, I grew up in a time where yellow pages were the thing that I realized going through it that that was just an ineffective at first it was effective, but then it became ineffective pretty quickly. And, you know, then print advertising and all these things, but now marketing has completely changed. And then the other side, I think the other big thing is just dealing with our, our labor force, you know, and, and the qualified folks and, and mostly in the craftsmen in the carpentry world and other trades. But I think also in many of the other areas of business, you know, that's all changing as we see it. I think COVID had a lot to do with shifting how people think about their work careers and, you know, trying to, you know, those that didn't have balance. Like for me, I took two months off. We Our state closed down and I was like, mm, I'm going to go fishing. I haven't been, I, I haven't had this opportunity in forever and I'm just going to relax and take a break. And I think a lot of people did that and, you know, easing back into the workforce. You know, I think they're coming at it with a different. I think it forever changed the way we look at we look at at our careers and our mm-hmm. business. If they're not totally fun that we love, like my son is doing something. He's becoming an outdoor video, a, a field producer in the outdoor world. He grew up hunting and fishing, and I saw a post he put on his story the other day, and he goes, "I don't need a vacation from this," you know, and something to that effect. You know, that's what I tried to always instill in my kids is that make sure you're doing something that's fun so you don't feel like it's work. And I think unless you have a career like that, I think, I think people are putting a bit more emphasis on personal time and, and not just all career focus. And I think that presents some challenges, some good things, but also some challenges. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly that that balance of, you know, capitalism, which is all about like being efficient and, you know, high productivity. And then, but then you have that other side of it, which is how do you yeah, take time off and do other things. And even if you love what you do, you know, you may not want to do it all the time. You know, right. you may want to do it some of the time and then other things some of the time. And so 
it certainly, I think you're right, made people just stop and think, you know, whether what they're doing is for sure what they wanted to do or not. And, or does it, could it look a little different and then it would right increase their enjoyment, you know, a hundred percent or something. So yeah, it's, it's interesting times for sure. Well, I got one, one more question to wrap us up, but I'll ask again, any, any stories or just like cool projects or anything coming to mind that, that you want to share? Yeah, no, it's all a blur, honestly, Spencer. You know, I think every project is unique in, in a way. I don't, I'm not coming up with anything that really stands out wildly crazy, you know, to us. It's just maybe I, I have a boring career, previous career path. No, I, I doubt it. But sometimes when you've done so many projects, then yeah, it's hard. They all kind of run together. So. Well, Steve, wrap us up. Other remodelers are out there listening to this. If you want to pass along some words of wisdom or final piece of advice, what do you want to leave us with? Well, I think, you know, for any of any of the remodelers that are just getting started out there, you know, pay attention to your numbers, get good on accounting, get uh, understand markup. Don't be hesitant to add a lot of money to what we're providing. Uh, I mean, to, to your cost because what we're providing is a very valuable service. Get in with a group where you it's it's a lonely world out there and we can just feel so isolated. And so groups like RA or the remodelers community with you know with with Kyle Hunt or with you know, Victoria Downing on the RA, you know, that that's been instrumental in keeping me sane and feeling like I have a sounding board and don't run away from, you know, if you get into trouble and get into debt for sure, sit down and work with your vendors and try to work something out and stick to it. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's great advice. Well, Steve, I appreciate you sharing your time and sharing your story with us today. Oh yeah. It was fun. That's right. I appreciate being able to do it for you. Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.